On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, Marvel's Namor actor Tenoch Huerta has been accused of sexual assault. It seems to be a problem going around with Marvel right now. Also, Transformers Rise of the Beast takes the number one spot at the box office away from Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Also, yesterday was the official 30th anniversary of the release of Jurassic Park. What kind of impact has that movie made and where does the Jurassic franchise go from here? Also, Vin Diesel addresses those rumors that he had a major problem with Jason Momoa scene stealing from him. We'll discuss that. Also, Netflix password sharing crackdown has been a huge success for the company. We'll talk about that and a few things more. The John Campion Show starts right now. And salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campus Show, coming to you from right here in our little offices here in Southern California, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. My name, of course, is John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, all sorts of good things, not just giving you our opinions, but giving you a little bit of history, a little bit of context, and a little bit of information so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. And we are so glad you're joining us today, whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, maybe you're checking this out on our YouTube channel, wherever you are, however you're joining us, we're awfully glad that you guys are here. And here's how today's show's gonna go. We break it into two parts. The first part of the show, we're going to talk about those predetermined topics that I just listed off. Then in the second part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. If you're listening to this podcast, we do have a YouTube channel. And on that channel, we have our beloved channel members. And every day, we ask them to send in some questions, and we address those during the second part of the show. All right. I'm joined in studio here by Mr. Ray Ora. Hey, hey, hey. Jonathan Voico is here running Hello, things. everybody. And the delightful Chris Carr is here. Hey, y'all. And most importantly, you guys are here. And let's get things rolling here, shall we? All right. We made a video about this one a little bit earlier today, but we are still smack dab in the middle of the Jonathan Majors controversy. Of course, the actor who is just super hot right now with Creed and everything else he has going on. The MCU actor playing Kang uh, is now facing charges in uh, U.S. court for assault, amongst other things like that. And and we don't know how that's all going to turn out, what's going to shake down. The charges are still ongoing. The court case has started. And we'll see what shakes out there. But in the middle of that nightmare for Marvel, as they're trying to continue to promote the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania home video release, now there seems to be another fire they need to put out. According to reports, Namor actor Tenoch Huerta, who did a really fine job playing Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, a movie that, by the way, was way more successful than any movie that lost its main star and lost its main character uh, had being, is now under fire as a Mexican musical celebrity. Her name's Maria Elena Rios. Now, that name might sound a little bit familiar. If it does, it's because a few years ago in 2019, she had an ex-boyfriend hire two guys to throw acid in her face, which hospitalized her for quite a long time. And now she's a bit of an activist, obviously. But she's now come out and made accusations that Tenoch had sexually assaulted her. And the it sounds pretty serious, the way she describes it in the story. Now, as of this point, the LA Times says that they reached out both to his representation and to Marvel, and nobody's giving any comments on this at the moment. Now, when she shared this on Twitter, you got the very, very predictable responses of, oh, you're just lying for popularity. Why, if he assaulted you, why didn't you go to the police? To which she reminded them, because I live in a country that when you say something bad about somebody you were with, you get acid thrown in your face. And she was not exactly looking for it. Now, that's not to say that we are saying that he is guilty. Not at all. This is, I have no firsthand knowledge of anything going on. I just get kind of tired of the quick knee-jerk defensive reactions we get from people saying, oh, if you re really happened, you would have reported it. And guess what? She's a living example of why a lot of women don't report this stuff. Again, we're not saying he's guilty. We're not saying he's not. It's just another hit for the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, which is struggling on several fronts, despite the fact that they just had a huge win 
with Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which, by the way, has crossed the $800 million yeah. mark at the box office. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, aside from Guardians, they've had some struggles lately. I mean, the Wasp was, well, was a bust. They're trying to deal with all this stuff with Jonathan Majors right now, where actually they're just trying to figure out what's going on so they can figure out how to approach this <laughs> and what they need to do, if anything at all. Now they're going to have to deal with this thing. And it's not like this is coming from some rando. I mean, Maria is a borderline celebrity in Mexico. She's a high-profile person. She's well, got a lot of- respected activist. Yeah, she's a respected activist, and she's got credibility. Again, want to reassert, we're not saying he's guilty, and we're not saying he's not. We're just talking about the context as it is right now. This is another hit for Marvel. Again, uh, much like the Jonathan Major situation, I don't think Marvel should do anything until they get- the facts, let some a court case play out a bit, find out what's actually going on. I'm sure right now, Marvel reps are on the phone with Tenoch reps trying to figure out what did your boy do, what did he not do, and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, Chris, um, this is unfortunately for Marvel, again, whether it's the Jonathan Majors drama, Tenoch drama, this is anything they did, but they got to deal with the repercussions of it. What do you think Marvel's approach should be right now in handling obviously a very delicate situation like this i believe it should be what we said it should be about jonathan majors hey things are being you know explored right now and investigated and as soon as we or light has been brought to this case we will move forward with a statement on how we feel about this obviously anytime somebody is the victim of assault we take it very very seriously and we hope that anyone who had this happen to them has the resources to get the help they need after this. And if Huerta is completely innocent of this, hopefully that this does not stay with him and stay with his career. You know, we, we've we seen a lot of these kinds of cases this year, and we've seen this throughout Hollywood, right, of, of unfortunately people in power taking advantage of that power. But then also you do see people make false accusations. I'm not going to pretend like that doesn't exist either. It's just really unfortunate that we keep seeing this happen with these very, very high-profile Marvel stars now, people who are characters who are being built around, you know, they're building the Marvel universe around these folks. And again, I say that as somebody saying, of course, anyone who has been assaulted, that is the primary thing that everyone should be focused on is making sure that that person is taken care of, that this kind of thing never happens again. But in terms of movie news, we do have to discuss how this makes Disney move forward when Disney is already having a heck of a time. Their movies aren't firing on all cylinders. They're going to have 7,000 people laid off by the end of the summer. Disney is not the hot commodity that it usually was. And with Papa Iger back there, too, you'd think that things were getting taken care of, but things seem to keep spiraling over there. It's a mess. I do want to read the statement that Huerta has released. Um, It was sent to Variety. It was also published on his own Instagram. Uh, Oh, this must have come out just recently. Yeah. This morning. um, I... Uh, says, I cannot let it go. Uh, or Sorry, excuse me. Let's start at the beginning. That helped. Um, Huerta called Rios's claims false and completely unsubstantiated, adding, I cannot let it go unchallenged any longer. About a year ago, I dated Elena for several months. It was entirely consensual at all times, as countless others can attest. And throughout, it was a loving, warm, and mutually supportive relationship. After it ended, however, Elena began to misinterpret our interactions both privately and in front of groups of mutual friends. As a result, a few months ago, I engaged a legal team to commence the appropriate actions to protect my reputation and refute these irresponsible and false accusations that can cause great prejudice and damage. Although I'm by no means perfect, I know these allegations are simply untrue, and while I will always work to improve myself, I need to contest claims that are both false and offensive. Now, I don't have anything further on if those legal actions he's referring to have been taken, cease and desists, you know, things about liable being written. I don't know how much further this has gone. I only have this statement. So I would want to follow up to see if his legal team has taken those actions, if there is that paper trial for all of this, too, to back up his own claims, to refute what she's been saying. But it's a very, very messy situation. The whole thing got brought to light because of a, a podcast. Yeah, you have a podcast episode. Yeah, there was a podcast episode that she didn't give her consent to be released. The podcast mm-hmm. folks were saying, well, it hasn't been released. We've just been promoting it. That then led to her saying that they, she thought this group was protecting Huerta. And then that led to the reveal it, here. It sounds weird to say, mm-hmm. but it's it would almost be better. Because right now, unlike the Jonathan Major situation, there's no charges. Like, no. Th- this is just, it would almost be better for him if he was being charged so he could go to court 
and get, I mean, again, this is under the assumption that he's innocent, Mm -hmm. that he could go to court and win a court case. And that would probably put it to bed by there not being charges. It almost feels like it's worse for him because it's now just out there. He's been accused. Yeah. And he doesn't have have a chance in a courtroom to kind of have it definitively say that he wasn't, which is the situation that Jonathan Majors finds himself in. Absolutely. There seems to be a more black and white kind of cut to a legal issue, right? As opposed to speculation, because everyone's going to have their own opinions. The court of public opinion is always going to decide how they feel about something. When you look at something like Ezra Miller, right? People dropping those charges they pressed against Ezra. A lot of people have gone, all right, well, Ezra's free and clear now. And so, you know, you have a lot of those kinds of things that do seem to clear the air for folks as well. People are always going to be entitled to their own opinions after something. The court system doesn't always completely exonerate people. It doesn't always perform actual justice. We've seen people, you know, get away with literal murder or other crimes and things. But it would be very, very beneficial, I think, to have a clear cut case here that you could prove something. And that's why I think that kind of paper trail of seeing if those legal actions he's referring to were taken at some point are his best bet of clearing the air here. And it's also her best bet to say, no, no, no. You never did any of those things. So that's the thing that I'm trying to follow up on right now, too. All right. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to this. So Transformers Rise of the Beasts has now come out and is in theaters. And in my opinion, a pretty good little movie. Not a fantastic movie, (coughs) but a fun little film. Uh, I totally get why it only has a 53% critic rating. Totally do. Which means by the thinnest of margins, the majority of critics like the film. But, you know... 47% 47% didn't. And you know what? I totally understand why they didn't. I, I totally do. Having seen the film, I get it. I don't. I have no argument with the people who say they didn't like it. But 91% of the audience rating was they liked it. Again, that doesn't mean they loved it. But 91% of the audience are like me. Had a good time. Had fun with it. Now, what's been very, very interesting is that Bumblebee, which is the best Transformers movie ever made, in my opinion, It suffered due to the horribleness of the previous Transformers movies that came out before it, especially The Last Night, which is just a garbage, garbage movie. And Bumblebee suffered as a result, only making $21 million in its opening weekend. Thankfully, the movie was good enough and got good enough word of mouth that it still was managed to go on to make just over Black Adam. It made 400 and... 400 and something million dollars. Can't remember the exact number, but 400, around the 450 million dollars. That is my favorite metric that has happened on this show. Yeah, that's that's a new measurement. (laughs) There's boiling point, freezing point, Black Black Adam Adam. box office point. So it exceeded that despite only having a $21 million opening weekend. And so how would this one do, especially considering that it was going up against Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse entering its second weekend? Well, the results are in. And Transformers Rise of the Beasts managed to make over $60 million in its opening weekend, which is nearly triple what Bumblebee made. Now, you can't extrapolate that. We'll see if uh, Bumblebee made $450 million. That means Transformers will triple that and make $1.2 billion. No, 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 no. It's not going to be that. And this movie is not as good as Bumblebee. But... Still, making nearly triple the opening weekend, I think, is two things. Number one, it's a testament to the marketing campaign. I think they they put together a really good marketing campaign, especially when they started putting out things like with Unicron and whatever. That helped. It's also a testament to just how good Bumblebee was. Because Bumblebee changed the narrative of the Transformers movies. Which, before Bumblebee, it was, well, this IP is now garbage. <laughs> to, hey, Transformers is back. That's what Bumblebee did. And the primary beneficiary of that has now been Transformers Rise of the Beast. So, I mean, big congrats to them for tripling the last film's opening weekend. We'll see what kind of sustained success they can have. Because if I'm not mistaken, they're going to run into a little bit of a problem there themselves with The Flash opening this week. And The Flash is going to primarily be appealing to audiences that would also go to see Transformers. So we're going to see. Now, hey. You know what? Little Mermaid faced that same thing going into an opening weekend Spider-Verse going after the same demographics, but Little Mermaid only only lost in the 50% range on its second weekend as well, which, by the way, Little Mermaid has also cracked the Black Adam uh, (laughs) part. Little Mermaid has now made over $400 million, still in third place at the box office, so it keeps rolling on. It just might 
it just might actually break even, Little Mermaid. I hope so. Gosh. Not sure about that. But I wish it, it was doing better overseas. I mean, it's doing gangbusters in North America. Yeah. But anyway, so Transformers, well done. Chris, you're seeing the results coming out. What would you attribute Transformers being able, again, $60 million is not world-breaking smash hit, but it's certainly no, better it's than what Transformers has done lately. What do you attribute that success to? I do think a lot of the kind of reimagining that's been happening here pays off, but I think it's mostly word of mouth. I think those first early reviews of Transformers of everyone being like, look, it's fun. It's a fun movie. It's got a lot of heart. And that's all you need Transformers to be. You don't need it to be Fellini-esque. You don't need <laughs> riveting performances. But also, we keep hearing, too, about how great Anthony Ramos is in this, how Pete Davidson really surprisingly in good. this. Pete Davidson as Mirage is surprisingly good in this you movie. You lo- love a win for Pete Davidson. I know in his dating life, he's constantly winning. He's dating everyone. But I love a a professional win for Pete Davidson. That makes me really happy. But I got to eat a little crow here, too, because I was just like, you know, I think all the the trailers look too Michael Bay-y. I don't know how well it's going to do at the box office. And I know Spider-Verse only had, what, like a 55% drop off, which was bound to happen. But I mean, I think that's that's a it's a good drop off. For I think. an opening weekend of 120 million, yeah. I think a 55 percent drop is extraordinary. I think good. it's quite good, especially blowing past that original box office of the first one. But I still was like, I think more people are going to be seeing Spider Verse. I don't know how Transformers is going to do, and I am pleasantly surprised. I think this is great because yeah, Bumblebee is such an amazing film. I love Bumblebee so much, and I was just heartbroken that people weren't giving it a shot. And so I'm really happy to see the franchise have this new direction and have this new kind of. Blow blood injected into it. So it can be fun. You can have big, ridiculous explosions and do ridiculous things, but you also need it to, to just make a tiny bit of sense. Yeah. Just a tiny bit. Well, when you're a massive robot, yeah. it's believable that you can lift heavy weight. Yeah, I and believe that you could grab two chains and pull something down. But when you're a human, then it's a little, yeah. then it's a little hinky. I, I want to ask Ray, because Ray, you, you saw it with me. Let me so two two part of question for you. Why do you think this was able to make sixty million this opening weekend? And what do you think it is about this movie that's gotten this like ninety one percent audience rating? It's, it's something I've been saying from the start. Is I think when they release a Transformers movie, it's an event that people want to go to before mm, even re, before even reviews come out. Like they plan it. It's big robots. It's nostalgia. It's kids, parents like the uh, new generation parents wanting to bring their kids because they love Transformers and introducing them to this world. I, I believe it's all those things put together. I meant me. I didn't have to see a trailer. You told me a Transformers movie, a and new one is coming out. I'm getting tickets. It doesn't matter what it's about. I'm going. And there's probably a lot of people that feel the same way. I mean, we saw people at that theater with Transformers shirts on. It was, it oh, was yeah, there's a little cosplay <laughs> even going on. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and in our theater, there was a age... Big all over the place. Yeah, all, all over, over the place. place. In front of us, little kids with their father who looked to be, you know, our age, um, bringing his kids. So um, I don't know. I, that's all I think this this was. I don't know if it's going to uh, hold up. I think no movie this month is going to hold the number one spot for over one week. Just because yeah. there, it's like a gauntlet of movies that that are coming and out. flashes up next. Op, or and, and then Oppenheimer and things like mm-hmm. that. So... You know, it's, it'll be hard to hold number one. It's it's the it's whoever holds the longevity. Like Little Mermaid, I see making more money, like as it time goes on, only because it's just there and it's different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so who knows? It's well, a big random who who wins. Movie theaters are the clear winner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, so right now that that's who's really happy right now. Like we we all like to very very quickly put the pandemic behind us. Of course we do, but. We are now entering into, if you're the movie theater industry, right now was the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Right now was, okay, great, the pandemic was over, but the theaters were still feeling the effects of the pandemic. We didn't have a lot of new product coming out, They didn't, but now we're starting to get back to that regular cadence of new movies. I mean, between Little Mermaid, which again, internationally weak, but domestically quite strong. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, same thing, domestically really strong. Uh, we had Fast X, which has is still going to lose money, but it made a lot of money for the movie theaters. And now we got Flash coming up, Oppenheimer. Yeah. I mean, we got a bunch of things to line up. It's it's a good time right now if you're the movie theaters, yeah. and they're and, the ones who are ultimately winning. And I would just add that although 
uh, Transformers had a, a good, a great like win this weekend. I mean, across the Spider Verse, that's just a healthy downstep, fifty four percent. Oh, it's fabulous! So it's not like it was it's a seventy really percent, especially for yeah. a film that opened to over a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Just the bigger a movie opens. It, it hurts the second weekend drop-off because now <clears throat> more and more people have already seen it. And for it to still have a 54, 55% drop-off I think I'm going to go see it again today. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I I'm going to see it one or two I more times. I kind of do want to see it again in IMAX this time. <gasps> oh, just on a bigger screen. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. We still have a couple things to talk about. We're going to talk about the anniversary of Jurassic Park and where that franchise is going. Vin Diesel's beef with Jason Momoa gets addressed. Netflix password sharing has turned out to be a huge winner for Netflix, or at least cracking down on the password sharing. But before we get to those, we're going to take just a quick second here and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, our friends at Masterclass and ExpressVPN. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn filmmaking from James Cameron himself, you know, the guy who made three of the four biggest films of all time. Improve your writing by taking screenwriting from one of the greatest who's ever done it, Aaron Sorkin. Or maybe learn how to make great comedic content by taking comedy by the one and the only Judd Apatow. And many of you guys know I'm a big poker guy, and I recently got a chance to say Sit down and watch Daniel Negreanu, one of the greatest poker players in the world, teach poker. It was absolutely fantastic. But guys, whatever you're interested in, there is a class for you with over 180 exclusive classes taught by the instructors you know and love. And you can explore lessons in any order you'd like across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, computer, and on the go with audio mode. Individual lessons range from about 10 to 15 minutes in length that fit easily into your everyday life. Guys, I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class and as a John Campius show listener you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash campia now that's masterclass.com slash campia for 15% off masterclass Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, ExpressVPN. Guys, it is 2023, and online privacy and security has never been more important. You see, every device, phones, computers, tablets, has a unique IP address, which is like an internet phone number and reveals personal information about you. It's super simple for somebody online who knows what they're doing to find your IP address. If you've ever clicked on a sketchy link or opened an email from somebody you don't know, your IP address could be become exposed. Now that's where ExpressVPN has your back. ExpressVPN is an app that hides your real IP address and replaces it with a dummy one, keeping you safe and private. And you don't have to be some kind of techie to use a VPN. Guys, it is so easy to use. Just download the ExpressVPN app on your phone or computer, tap one button to turn it on, and you're protected. And if you like your streaming entertainment, here's the coolest part. They let you choose what country you want your IP address to look like it's coming from. This is incredibly useful because services like Netflix and Disney Plus give you different shows depending on what country you're in. So secure your family's online activity and unlock tons of new shows by visiting expressvpn.com slash campia. Use my link and you can get three extra months free. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash campia. Go to expressvpn.com slash campia to learn more. And thank you to our friends at Masterclass and ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode of the John Campus Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's get on over to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for our channel or our show to be addressed on the podcast or maybe a standalone video, go ahead and call us anytime 24-7 at our Mint Mobile hotline at 951 268 Four two five nine, and today's question is asking about the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park. Hey, John and crew, it's Philip from Arkansas, and 30 years ago today, we were introduced to Jurassic Park and our favorite scientifically inaccurate dinosaurs. I was just wondering what you guys thought about the future of the franchise, because as uh, not great as they've been, they still make a truckload of money each time. So do you think that they'll at some point reboot or do you think they'll just keep getting more and more wild? <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. All right, Philip, thanks a lot for calling that in. And it is it is wild to think about Jurassic Park. Uh, now, he said today because he called in yesterday. Yesterday, the 11th, was the official 30th anniversary 
30 years since Jurassic Park came out. And it is wild when you look back on that. But but it's one of those movies that is three decades old. And if you watch it today, you'd say, yeah, this could have been made last year. I mean, the effects held up. Now, look, Jurassic Park came out before Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace, I believe, was probably one of the the single biggest leap forward in visual effects in, in cinematic history. Was I hate the movie, but as a visual effects person myself who worked who was working in a visual effects company at the time, it was simply the single biggest leap forward ever in history. But before that was Jurassic Park, and George Lucas said it was watching Jurassic Park that made him say, we can now revisit Star Wars. We can go back to Star Wars again because now the technology and the techniques exist to do that. And what Steven Spielberg was able to pull off, it is one of the greatest, most iconic moments. Like if I were to put together and edit together like a four-minute sizzle reel of the most memorable moments in films, one of the ones that would have to be in that four-minute thing would be of Dr. Grant standing up in his Jeep grabbing the sides of his glasses, shaking and pulling them off, and then showing the audience what we saw. It is one of the most moving, incredible experiences I think any of us have ever had in a movie theater because we felt what Sam Neill felt, what Dr. Grant felt. We felt it. And what the magic they were able to put on that big screen was, besides the fact that it's a great little movie too, this great story of of scientists all about the coulda, not about the shoulda, and recreating dinosaurs in an attraction that goes wrong and what happens when it does. It's just a fine, great little movie based, on, of course, on the novel. Took a lot of liberties with the novel, but nonetheless. And then visually what they were able to do. You believed that T-Rex was chasing them down. You believed the Velociraptor. Man, just, and the little ways... Steven Spielberg, I mean, how also another iconic thing, the cup of water when the vibrations started happening mm-hmm. with the T-Rex footsteps. Or what about when the Velociraptors stand there and they started tapping their clock <laughs> and the terror that that inspired. It's incredible. And the way that impacted the way movies would be made moving forward. And one of the 30 films that define why Steven Spielberg is the greatest of all time to ever do it. Anyway, Chris... It's been 30 years since Jurassic Park has come out. When you look back on the film, what kind of memories do you have and what kind of impact do you think it made on the industry as a whole? I mean, personally, it was Dr. Ian Malcolm. And as you all know, (laughs) I have modeled my entire dating life after that. (laughs) I've been like, hi, are you lanky, nerdy and have glasses? I like you. (laughs) Uh, Now, there are going to be actual dinosaurs on this tour, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's exactly what I've gone for. Um, In terms of the industry itself, obviously, this changed so much with visual effects. What I love most about this movie, though, is that it changed paleontology. You were saying yeah. that the, the movie is pretty loose with the book. The book was pretty loose with science, <laughs> as, as was the movie. Um, I mean, Dr. Ian Malcolm is a chaos theory expert and a mathematician who does not say a lot of correct things. It's mostly <laughs> chaos and not a lot of good theory. But people, the increase uh, of illegal dinosaur bones theft increased after Jurassic Park. Yeah. And we also saw this huge boon in people wanting to study paleontology, which I, mean, I think is really cool. attendance went up too. It went up so much. I mean, particularly, I think, around our age too, like... You, there was this huge interest in dinosaurs that I don't think anyone really had before it, to the same extent. Like I had at least three birthday parties that were fake fossil hunts where it was just <laughs> sand with you digging for dinosaur bones and things. So I think... Some kids I, I, like, we ain't found shit. We ain't found shit. <laughs> I think that... Nice little uh, Spaceballs reference yeah. there. It really, just doing the comb and everything. I, I think that that's one of the, the more iconic things that came about of, from Jurassic Park is just how people got interested in STEM, specifically going into paleontology and things like that. And I think that's one of the coolest things about movies is even if the science isn't right, even if it is a blockbuster thrill ride of a movie... It can get you so interested and excited about real world things. And that, I think, is so tremendous and so cool about the effects 
that movie has movies have on us is that you can see these scientists being in awe of such incorrect dinosaurs <laughs> that you go, oh, my gosh, I want to explore that. And I want to do that kind of thing. I love that about movies. I think it's so cool. Now, the other thing that brings up here is where does this franchise now go? Right. That's the other part of the question that they ask, because it's 30 years later. And despite all the poo pooing, a lot of poo poo talk about Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> that movie made over a billion dollars. It did. It, which kind of represents still <laughs> that the interest in this franchise is as good as ever. People want to go to see. And I had my doubts. I had my doubts that that movie would break a billion. And it did. People And it wasn't even the strongest of the franchise. I didn't think it was the worst of the franchise either, but not even the strongest. Still made a billion dollars. So where did they go? Now, I believe it was um, Bryce Dallas Howard made comments recently saying that the franchise will probably continue, but it's going to be new stories now. Like okay. that okay. The, the characters we've been having, they are now, their stories, time is gone, mm -hmm. and that there will be probably be more. I mean, she is an actress in it. The studio executives will make the decision. But I think she's right. You cannot not make more movies when the last one made a billion dollars, and people still seemingly have a hunger for it. But it's also clearly time for them to move on. They made three movies with this particular cast. They did the big Avengers crossover with the original film's cast. And now it's time to tell brand new stories in different parts of the world. Different, And I think that's probably what they're going to do. Ray, you liked the most recent Jurassic Park. Yeah, Did you I don't think yeah. it's too bad. But I, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this. A part of me kind of feels like I want to see a reboot of the first one. Because oh. I, I, I think we've, we've, We've discovered a few more dinosaurs, right, since then? <laughs> like a few more like kinds of dinosaurs? I don't know. You'd have to ask 12-year-old Chris yeah. that question. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I think I don't want a continuation of what of what we've been getting. I, yeah. I just want a completely new story. It's a Star Wars thing. It's like I we're mean, ready for a new, whole new chapter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. I, I, I want another opening shot like that, like with the newer stuff, the newer tech we have, like something really grand that shows the scope of, whatever new story they're doing. Um, that's that's what I want. Because that feeling that I got when I saw that opening or that scene where they yeah. see the dinosaur, there's no other scene like that in movies, especially with the song that goes on top of it. Oh, my God. Like, every time, every time I get shivers. And I can't believe my eyes. Is anybody surprised that John Williams did that? Of course, John Williams made that music. The greatest of all time. Yeah. But you brought up something I hadn't even considered, and and maybe it really should. Maybe reboot. Three years, 30 years. I, I would totally be down for a, go right back to chapter one, a, a remake, a reboot, make some changes and whatever, but basically retell the story of Jurassic Park from the beginning. You're going to the park, wanting it, opening it up. It has been 30 years. Yeah. We got some new kids now. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, and, now, and keep it scientifically inaccurate. Otherwise, now, it's just birds. Yes, absolutely so scientifically far into the future, the dinosaurs are the scientists. <gasps> dinosaurs and in humans space. are subjugated. So it's Dinosaur <laughs> Planet of the Apes. Well, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's dinosaurs on horses. On horseback. Yeah, it's Oh, great. my God. Give me that movie. Raptors riding horses. But yeah, I, oh. if you do it, like, with the, to Ray's point of, like, we've discovered new dinosaurs and things. We have. But also, we discovered that they they look like very big chickens, so only Logan would be scared. And, like, the noises they made weren't that terrifying mix of, like, elephants and sea turtles that they blended together. Is that real? Is that true? Yeah. They look like big chickens? They look like big chickens. Oh. I gotta, Are you I ruining even, dinosaurs even, for me right now? Even am Dr. I ruining Grant? them, or am I... You're Dr. Grant, though, in the first movie, pointed out that it was really more birds, right? Mm -hmm. Like that dinosaur. They didn't really reflect that a lot in the movie, but at least it was brought up. Yeah. More birds brought than up. See, and this is why Logan's fears are founded. Birds are just dinosaurs that are out to kill us. All right. Eat them when you can. We got to move on here and move on to our next topic, uh, which is this. You guys might remember that it was, I think, a week or two ago, these rumors came out. These reports came out that Vin Diesel was totally pissed off <laughs> that uh -oh. Jason Momoa was getting all the glory for what little glory there is coming out of Fast X. But whatever little glory there was, it was all going to Jason Momoa and that Vin Diesel was furious that Jason Momoa was doing a bunch of scene stealing and 
and uh, overacting and and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. Despite the fact that I actually think Jason Momoa was probably the best part of Fast X. And again, that's that's not saying a lot, but I, I thought he was. I thought he was the strongest part of it. Uh, good action, great fight scenes. Uh, there's redeemable things about Fast X that is otherwise a pretty terrible movie, but there are some pretty good ones. Jason Momoa is one of them. Now, on our show, I said, I don't believe this report at all. Because if you're Vin Diesel, you stand to benefit from anybody getting positive buzz out of this movie. Like people louding and, and put, heaping a bunch of praise on Jason Moore. Guess what? That benefits you if you are Vin Diesel. And, you know, he's the one who went out and got Jason Momoa, all this kind of, I did not believe at all. And I said that on the show. I didn't believe the rumors and all this kind of stuff. Well, Vin Diesel has decided to address it. And he's done so publicly. And in a two-function social media post, he addressed it. Now, the first function he said was to make an announcement for the release date of Fast 11, which is going to be, and I'm sorry, he is, I believe, referring to it as Fast X Part 2. Um, which will be April 4th, 2025. So a little under two years from now, we're going to get the next probably final chapter. Let me mark my calendar. He also um, announced, oddly enough, most of the lines are his. In yeah, the- yeah, that I came up with everything. <laughs> he got laser eyes in this one. <laughs> now, but then he decided to use this social media po- uh, post to squash whatever those rumors were when he <laughs> wrote the following on Instagram, I believe. He said this, I love how expressive and collaborative all of the actors in our franchise feel coming into the world saga. Jason wanted to try something totally unique and special and ended up creating a scene-stealing character that the world won't forget. Thank you all for showing up like you always do. I think J- I think Vin Diesel purposefully used the phrase scene-stealing mm. character because in that rumor <laughs> came out, the headline was that Vin Diesel was pissed off that Jason Momoa was scene-stealing. And so Vin Diesel uses that phrase specifically. I love the fact that he created a scene-stealing character that the world won't forget. Thank you all for, for showing up. Momoa then responded to this on social media saying, all aloha, best times, mahalo for taking a chance with me, boss man. So <laughs> anyway, now- said, bro, I, I, I already got this. I already- Bro, I, I bro got stop it. stealing my- Stop, stop stealing my thunder. Damn. Now, there are two ways to look at this. There is the way that I'm looking at it, which is a more positively thing. Think of this, thinking this- this is a good response, proving what I thought all along, that there was nothing to this. It makes no logical sense that the boss of the franchise would get upset that something in the franchise was getting praise. When really, again, he's the one who brought Jason Momoa in. So all the, that just looks good on Vin Diesel. There is, however, a more <laughs> pessimistic way of looking at it to say that maybe this is damage control. Yeah, let's do it that way. Go on. Um, <laughs> Chris is holding their cup. Keep talking. Give me the tea. That this is all damage control and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Again, I might believe that if I believe the rumors in the first place, which I just did not believe. It just doesn't make any logical sense, right? This all makes Vin Diesel look good. So why would he be upset at that? I, I would have no idea. So uh, I like what I'm seeing. Chris. Yes. This post that Vin Diesel's put out. <laughs> Uh, well-timed response to the nonsense or carefully crafted damage control? What are we looking at here? Carefully crafted good response. Ah, okay. A little column A, a little column B. I think he absolutely used that phrase with intention of, listen, you little brats, I'm not having a fight with Jason Momoa. He's the thing helping me make money right now. And also, I have a grievance. I have a grievance to air with you three schmucks. All right. Okay, it's Festivus. I didn't it's even Festivus, realize it. It's Festivus time. Oh my all God. Right. Time for airing of the grievances. We all know I didn't go see this movie because <laughs> I was going to watch them all and then went, well, it's bad. I don't want to. Right. Because I'm a professional. Well, the Dante. Okay, you haven't either? Okay, I, maybe you've seen this then online. The Dante nail polish scene has been circulating online. I love that scene. And I'm so angry. I was like, that's in the movie? Yeah. That's in a Fast and Furious movie? If someone could just make me like a a super cut of just all the Dante moments. Hi, internet. Thank you. Uh, I would really, really love that because that looks amazing and fun. Like this character looks so fun and so different from what my idea of Fast is. So I honestly think 
he is the best antagonist they've had in the Fast and Furious franchise. I mean, he's very, very different from Luke Evans's villain. He's very, very different from Jason Momoa's villain. He's very, he very Jason different Momoa. from. I keep forgetting the name of the actor <laughs> who played Jason Momoa's dad in Fast Five. Um, forget, uh, forget the actor's name. Anyway, I don't know. I I, he's a very, him. very different villain. But I think honestly, the most memorable. And I am going to go see Fast X Part Two just because I want to see what else he does and just let with me this know. character. Yeah. What's that? And then just let me know. Yeah. We just and want to be told all the know. things. Yeah. And, and the nail polish scene to me is killer. I got to see that scene though. Oh yeah. It's, it's... It was so <laughs> funny and good and upsetting. And oh gosh, I love it. Yeah. You, you honestly, Chris, I think you should watch this movie. <laughs> okay. I think, I think you should. All right. And you you don't have to watch. I don't have to watch ones. any others. You don't have to watch I, any of them. I just wanted to remain a Hobbs and Shaw purist. Well, and, and that brings up something else. It's an interesting thing because with this movie they're saying now coming out, the new one in, in April 2025, they've already said that the Dwayne Johnson one is the- It's like the gun Is the between. bridging one between Fast X Part 1 and Fast X Part 2. That means that if true, the Dwayne Johnson Hobbs movie has got to come out you would think sometime in 2024, which means pretty quick. Yep. Unless the writer's strike messes things up. Oh, they don't use writers. Yeah, well, use fast text, not like, Vin Diesel's I just going like to go I feel like these movies car. are done via Mad Lib. He's <laughs> like, and here you go. Give me some so, nouns. <laughs> Give me some So adverts. I find that interesting. They're, so that suggests to me that, because somebody wrote in, or well, I think I was doing an open mic on Friday from Vegas, and somebody said, well, it's impossible. They can't get this Hobbs done thing. I said, well, we don't know how long they've been working on this Hobbs it's movie. <laughs> I mean, if they've been behind the scenes working on this movie for the past six months, the script could already be written. They may already have storyboards. They might be ready to start shooting next month for all we know. The hierarchy In which of case, the Fast franchise could forever change. Forever change. Mm -hmm. The hierarchy of power is, yeah. is going to just be <laughs> reshuffled. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they it is actually not even hard to conceive that, yeah, this thing totally could come out in 2024. So, We'll see. All right. With that down, guys, let's move on to one more topic here, uh, which is this. We made a video about this earlier today as well, but Netflix. Netflix caused a great disturbance in the force when fans all over the world cried out in terror when it was set, announced that Netflix was going to start cracking down on password sharing, which, of course, is stealing. And we've all done it, so don't point a finger of judgment at anybody. Everybody's, yeah. why'd you put Everyone the camera on Ray? Done it? <laughs> all of us. Right to Ray. Get out of here. Everyone's done it. So, but mostly Ray. But mostly Everyone's Ray. booted the owner of their streaming service off. Okay? So, a lot of money. You ain't watching at the times I watch, so what? So what's the problem? So now we got just got a cable all the way from my house all the way to John's house. <laughs> it just runs all the way. So it, it, the text, it's the same Ethernet place. cable nice. goes all the way yeah. there, so it looks like you're in the house. Yeah. Yeah. So Perfect. when they announced that they are cracking down on the password sharing, and listen, I said on the show, completely justified. They make this service for people to individually uh, subscribe to their service, not for, for one person to subscribe, and then hand out the passwords to a bunch of people to get it for free. That's not what they're in business for. And while we've all done it, they are completely, I've, I stood my ground. They are completely justified in doing that. It's their service. They make it for people to su subscribe to. Well, a lot of people then made the proclamation that this was the end of Netflix because people are going to rebel against Netflix. No one's going to use it anymore. To which I said, well, Netflix doesn't really care if you've been freeloading off it and now you're not going to watch it anymore. Ooh, like you were, we weren't making any money off you anyway. Well, guess what? The numbers just came out in a report in Variety and The Hollywood Reporter. It looks like Netflix has just broken records for their highest sign-up rate in years. Boo. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I now, have a feeling you put this topic on for me. For me. I have, We're going to make a separate video on it. We're that you're do feeling that says something about your conscience. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm very defensive right now. I'm very defensive. very defensive. I'm very attacked right now. <laughs> so listen, then it makes sense because a standard, the standard package of Netflix is about 16 bucks. Now, if 
theoretically, let's say that Ray had a Netflix account and I was password. I was using his password. <laughs> theoretically, we'll, we'll switch indeed. it around. And I was using his password, right? $16? Now, I, he can just add me to his account for $7.99, which is half the price. And I still get to use, now I can legally use the full Netflix standard experience for just $7.99. Also, if you are a premium Netflix, which I get think gets you HD or 4K and whatever, which is 20 bucks a month, you can still add somebody on for just $7.99. Will they get the HD too? I think you mean the 4K? Yeah, I think so. What, I'm not what 100% package sure, but I think so. What package do I think we it's have called right the now? premium package. Mm, right, that's right. So, <laughs> so Of course. So <laughs> The response, as opposed to the big revolt against Netflix, has been the biggest tidal wave of new people signing up and subscribing. And so I, I'm sorry, this isn't spin. This move by Netflix to crack down on password sharing is nothing but an outrageous, unqualified success. This is huge for them. And I'm not surprised. Now, Will they have a big burn rate? Will they maintain that subscriber base? I believe they are. Listen, between the addition of the $7.99 additional signups for accounts, the fact that they created their ad-supported program, which, you know, for even cheaper now, you can watch it with ad support, uh, which has turned out to be a pretty good move on their part. It's worked well. They, they are having a great thing. You know, we mentioned in the video, too, that it was not that many moons ago that they lost half of their market. They lost like $40 billion in market value in one day. But they have more than gained it all back since and exceeded their highest point ever with valuation. It's good to be Netflix right now. It, it really is. And listen, I've, I have been critical of Netflix on a couple of their moves, and I stand by the criticism I have. But I have also been a little bit skeptical about maybe their future before. And I'm, I got to look at these numbers and go, you know what? Their gambits worked, and they're rolling in it right now. Chris, are you surprised that we've seen we're seeing this risk they took as paying off so well? And if so, why do you think it's working? I, I'm not that surprised because I feel like it was a lot of outrage, and then people going, "Oh, but I really want to watch that final season of Never Have I Ever." Which, by the way, which was great. I yep. binged it yesterday. It was so good. Yeah, people want to watch their shows and they're going to pay the Starbucks and a half to go get it. It's really not that big of a deal when you're looking at that monthly price, right? If, oh, well, I guess I can do it. That's fine. How many so, Black Adams would that be? Ooh. <laughs> we got to crunch some numbers. That. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> but to your point about Netflix's numbers right now, too. Okay, so a company called Antenna, which is a research firm, yeah. they let us know about this whole four days after the password crackdown led to the four largest days of U.S. signups since January of 2019. These signups outdid, uh, it was an increase of 102% from their previous average, which is more than the COVID-based increases that Netflix saw. All right. On top of that, you were talking about how Netflix wasn't doing really well before. We saw stocks dropping and everything. Right. In the last month alone, their stock has gone up 25%. That is also up 129% from where it was last year. Ugh. So the gamble really, really is paying off here. And, you know, because the stock is up and because they can track this data, oh my gosh, Netflix, it's like you could pay your writers. <laughs> Very interesting. Nah, they, nah they're, not the, they're like they they're the ones that try things out first, like before any other streaming service. Well, I'm pretty does, sure right? Max and Disney Plus is gonna start doing the same thing. Yeah, well, so they're but Forbes was saying that they think all these other companies are gonna follow suit. Netflix has always been the blueprint, but now mm -hmm. they're showing that hey, we can actually make money on this streaming thing. Yeah. All right. Then with that down, guys, we are now going to go over and start taking your questions, at least you, if you are one of our YouTube channel members. And by the way, you can become a YouTube channel member. Just look in the description of the show and you'll find a link how you can become one of our channel members, become one of our supporters and get some of your questions on our show here. Now, before we do that, though, we're going to take just another minute and thank another sponsor of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, 
Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring today's episode of the Ray Aura is Morally Bankrupt show. <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> See, I knew it. Ray, this, this was the day. This was the Ray day. Was yeah. like, why you do that hit piece on me? He's going to be financially bankrupt now that he's got to buy his own. <laughs> now he's got to pay for his own streaming services. Mm. All right, guys. Without that, let's get over to the questions that our YouTube channel members have been sending in. Chris, what do we have, if anything? There <laughs> it is. Have- from dad oh, jokes. We're gonna have to get yeah, that I'm just fixed gonna, up. I like, think. shrink this up a little bit. Do 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 okay. do. Oh golly! Go. And for those of you listening to the podcast version, we're trying to put the questions up there on have screen been some for people watching issues. the video version. Please hold All right, what do we got? Dad jokes. Hi, John and crew. Can you allow Ray to host an open spoiler discussion of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? He's so passionate on it. You Please. know what? I am. It's so funny you're you're asking me that oh, because shoot. I was just planning uh, uh, on the fact that you know Flash opens this week and I put in the newsletter today. By the way, we have a newsletter that you guys should totally subscribe <laughs> know, to. Totally goes out every morning. Anyway, you can share it too this Sunday for free. Yeah, no no password sharing needed. <laughs> so. I announced in the newsletter that this Sunday we'd be doing our Flash open spoiler Ooh. discussion. I, it's been a while. I, I've, I am more looking forward to this open spoiler discussion than, than ones we've done for a long time. I'm excited about this one. But, and as I was writing that, I thought, you know what? Ray should totally do the open spoiler discussion. I will co-host... But I think Ray totally needs to do the open spoiler discussion for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Absolutely. I'll be the question reader. The day after my birthday, it comes out. It's going to be all Ray all the time. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. The shortest open spoiler. (laughs) There's only 12 people. (laughs) As I appreciate what you do more that day. (laughs) All right. What's next? From My Comic Planet, with so many blockbuster movies hitting every week now, it's impossible to have enough premium screens for them all. Yeah. Imagine if there were enough screens for each big movie. What can be done to fix this? Um, hey, let's just competition. I mean, a, there was a story last week, too, about some reports. And we didn't cover it because I didn't think it was worth covering. But apparently Tom Cruise is kind of pissed off that Mission Impossible 7 isn't going to get enough of the premium format screens because some of them are already committed to some other <laughs> big movies. And, yeah, listen, at first, the problem going back a number of years, the problem was, are there enough movie screens? Well, there are enough movie screens. But now are there enough premium movie screens? Because in the AMC Burbank 16 and Burbank, that's great. But there's only one IMAX screen in there and there's only one AMC Prime Dolby. So you got multiple big movies. up. What can be done to fix this? Uh, Not much. Not much. It's just going to have to be that the studios are going to have to fight it out. uh, Try to make the biggest, most appealing looking movie. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, these theaters are going to put the movies on the screens that they think are going to make them the most money. So be big, be appealing, really take a look at the release schedule when planning when you're going to release your film. See what else is around there if you're going to have to be fighting it out, not just for box office dollars, but fighting out for those premium screens as well. All right, what's next? From Solon, with Ford's last Indiana Jones movie coming up, I was wondering what the crew thinks is the one movie he will be remembered by. To me, it's The Fugitive. The performance, along with Tommy Lee Jones, is Oscar-worthy. The Fugitive... Yes, you switch the samples! ...is a criminally... <laughs> underappreciated movie that is truly one of his best films and you know what even though it's dated when you aesthetically dated it that movie holds up that is a fabulous movie tommy lee jones's line of 
I don't care is like one of the best line deliveries ever. The movie is fantastic. It, it however, is not going to be the one I think of Harrison Ford. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of movies that he's done, whether it's Air Force One or whether That's he's it. in an Amish town. Witness. Witness. Mm -hmm. Or Force whether one, he, baby. one of my personal favorites, um, him, Greg Kinnear. The remake of Sabrina. Sabrina uh -huh. is like one of my favorite rom-coms mm -hmm. ever. Better, it, It's one of the movies that makes the case for, hey, sometimes remakes are better than the originals. And I think the remake is better than the original. And of course, Indiana Jones. Yeah. But he's Han Solo. That that's that's just it. Now, I, I'm sure everybody, I think most people will probably say Han Solo. A hell of a lot of people are gonna say Indiana Jones, and everybody will have a lot of other movies that they're gonna go for. But for me, it, it starts and ends with Han Solo. He is Han Solo, one of the greatest screen characters ever in the history of cinema. Of course, an argument could be made for Indiana Jones as well, but I think it's that. Chris, when you think of Harrison Ford, what's your mind first going to go to? It first goes to Han Solo. Yeah. 100%. Like, he's great in Blade Runner. He's amazing in Witness. Witness is criminally underrated by, like, modern audiences, I feel. It's so, so good. Whenever I talk about that movie, they're like, Harrison Ford and Amish people? What? what? Working Girl, too. He's amazing he's in Working so Girl. He's good Working Girl. He, well, he's great in everything I mean, he does. Regarding Henry. Yeah, oh. yeah, yep. He's a wonderful, wonderful actor. Well, and, and now I'm hoping, too, that shrinking just becomes part of the conversation, Me too. Me, too, yeah. Because, you know, and after things like Morning Glory and stuff like that, where it was just kind of Harrison Ford being you Harrison Ford. You know what? Ford, okay, I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. Do you like Morning Glory? Uh, we're going to look today at how to make the perfect frittata. I actually don't <laughs> mind Morning Glory. <laughs> I it's don't mind fine. that movie. I don't love it's it. It's fine. But it's fine. I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's him. It's Rachel McAdams. It's Patrick Wilson. Um, doing a, and Diane Keaton. Mm. Morning show. Oh, I forgot she was in there. Yeah. I still, the perfect for Tata. <laughs> but yeah, it's, he's Han Solo forever and always. Yeah. All right. What's next? From uh, Spying Mentor 087, thoughts on the Golden Globes being shut down? Are Golden Globes being shut down? Are the Golden Globes being shut down? I don't know. I mean, I've been saying for 15 <laughs> years they should shut down the Golden Globes. I mean, I, I've heard nothing about that. I'm gonna do it, a it, quick little Google while we're doing yeah, this. Now, are that. you asking in theory, should we be shutting down the Golden Globes? Or are we saying yeah, the Golden it, Globes are shut One hour ago. Really? <gasps> oh, uh, uh, really? Hollywood Foreign Press to wind down. Really? Sold to Dick Clark something. Oh, well, Dick Clark Productions. Dick Otherwise, Productions. it's been sold He's to gone, a ghost. But. So it's no, so Golden Globes will probably continue under Dick Clark Productions, but it won't be associated with the Hollywood Foreign Press anymore? Hollywood That's Foreign what it's Press. Okay, okay, like. so, okay, look. Um, oh, as a result, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and its members, uh, which have handed out the awards, will shudder. Um, Wait, the Hollywood Foreign Press is shutting down? That's Which is fine. It's the most useless organization in the history of Hollywood. That's what Deadline seems yeah. to make it sound like. They okay, okay. so here's what we're going to do. Uh, this is obviously new information yeah. for us. Uh, we were in the process of doing the show. It sounds like when this story dropped. We're going to read up a little about it. If you are listening to the podcast, check out the YouTube channel a little bit later because we're going to probably do a YouTube video on this uh, a little bit yeah. later. But Wow! Break out the party hats. The Hollywood Foreign Press, as my dad would say, is useless as tits on a bull. I am so glad to hear this. Okay. Anyway, let's let's keep oh, going. We'll get we'll get back to that later on the uh, YouTube channel. Later. What's next? He's getting a little choked up. I wanted to get to the so point in my career where I could buy a Golden Globe, though. <laughs> Man, Murray Wright. So I haven't heard so much buzz, at least in my circles, for Elemental. It seems like it's being hidden under the rug. Well, no, any potential buzz got kind of their knees cut out from them when the first reactions came out, which weren't great. And I don't know if, if there is a Ray, can you look yeah, up? I don't know if there's a Rotten Tomatoes reading. Check I don't know that the out. official review embargo has lifted. Uh, look, all I can tell you is that we saw the uh, roughly the first 15 minutes of it at CinemaCon, and I thought it looked really good. Yeah. It looked great. But I also thought like the first 25 minutes of Lightyear that they showed us at CinemaCon were fantastic. So it's holding a 76% after. Okay, well, 76. So that's the review, not bad. that's 30, not bad. 38 reviews. 76%. Okay, so I, but I think, I mean, look, with everything that's gone on lately with Pixar, from 
having a bunch of their movies unceremoniously just shit onto Disney Plus, which is a shame because a couple of them were fantastic. Then when they did put some stuff out, you had Lightyear, which despite the fact that the first third of it is great, it ended up being a pretty disappointing movie overall. Not horrible, but disappointing. I mean, I know it's not Pixar, but you do did have Disney Animation, which is the sister company to Pixar, uh, put out Strange Worlds or Strange World or whatever the name of it was. Um, so uh, Pixar's unshakable decades-long momentum has, has been derailed. And so maybe that's why it's not getting as much buzz. The, the early reactions not being super great, which probably hurt a little bit too. I mean, look, I am very much looking forward. I'll tell you what, Ann and I were talking on our drive back from Vegas and she was like, you know what? Because we were talking about going to see Flash again this week. She's like, I'm not really interested in seeing Flash again. I mean, I liked it, but I don't want to see it again. I want to see Elemental. And so we're going to have to look at that. And Elemental opens this week, doesn't it? It does. It does. My plan was to go, I'm looking at my, my Regal app right now, is Logan doesn't want to see The Flash a second time. So I'm probably going to go see The Flash and then go to Elemental with him afterwards. That's exactly what Ann and I are doing. Okay, I'm cool. going to go see Flash and then I'm going to go watch Elemental with yeah. Ann. Speeding out of and here. And now that Thursday. Ray is on my AMC A-list thing, we can get Ray's ticket to go see it as well. <laughs> so, um, Lucky you, Ray. Oh, you thank you. Oh, All right, we got time for reviewed. two more here. What's next? <laughs> From Johnny5619, do the sponsors pay you more for views, thumbs up, or subscribers count? Or is it just, here's a paycheck, just mention us on your show. Thanks and have a good one. Um, that's a really great question. So here's the basic thing of it. The... We set our an ad rate, which is you get a sponsor, you sponsor us for one week, and we will deliver X number of impressions. That, that means we will put your ad on enough that it will be seen X number of times. And for X number of times, and we, we set that, that <clears throat> number, you pay us this amount. This is our rate. Okay? Now... That's the basis on which the sponsors know how much they got to pay us and what they're getting in return. Now, what we have been so incredibly lucky with is what gets the sponsors to keep coming back, like our friends at Masterclass, ExpressVPN, Mint Mobile, and, and all the other sponsors. You, you notice they keep coming back. Mm. is because not how many times their their ads get seen on our thing, but they keep coming back to us because our audience is so remarkably engaged. And like what happens with Masterclass is they say, okay, we will pay you X amount of dollars for X number of impressions. But what makes them come back is the fact that, wow, a lot of your viewers actually signed up to try Masterclass. So we want to keep advertising with you. Mint Mobile has been with us by the end of their contract. Mint Mobile is going to be with us for two years because our audience know a good deal when they hear it and know they should be switching to Mint Mobile. Um, ExpressVPN gets results. Our, our friends at Masterclass, our friends at Manscaped. Man, man. Our friends at Honey, our friends at... Uh, better help our friends. I mean, we just, we have some great, great sponsors on the show and it's because our audience is so engaged with them that they just keep coming back more and more. So that's the basis in which it is all done. I hope that made a little bit clear. All right. What's next? From a man, movie quote of the day. Oh, excuse me. Uh, it's debat. Missed that one. Game day. Game day. Game day. Watching, watching The Flash today Ooh. at the Irvine Spectrum. Ooh, I love that theater. I go theater, there all the time. Theater is completely <laughs> booked. Do you think the weekend opening will be higher than projected? You know what? I, I have been saying this for months. I'm going to continue to say it. I have no concept of how big this movie is going to be. With all the drama, I won't be surprised if it opens to $40 million. $608 million, baby. I'm, but I'm honestly Worldwide. telling you, if we find out Monday that Flash opened to $45 million, less than Transformers, I'm not going to be surprised. However, if Monday comes and they announce that it made more than Spider-Verse and it made $125 million, I'm not going to be surprised. I am absolutely that... In... I have no idea. I have no idea how well this movie is going to do. I but do. 
But I think there's going to be <laughs> some people who are excited to see it. The movie is great. Again, and I say that, uh, get a bunch of people say, well, if you say the movie's good, that means you're okay with whatever Ezra Miller's. No, no, no. I don't believe Ezra Miller should ever play Flash again. But that does not take away from the fact that I think this movie's great. Um, Andy Muschietti did a tremendous job for it. Whatever degree of success it gets, it deserves. And and hopefully, I hope it gets a lot. All right, let's do one more for the today. From Amin, movie quote of the day. You'll have bad times, but I'll always wake you up to the good stuff you weren't paying attention to. I don't know what that's from. I don't know that that's from either. I mean, you got us. Oh, well. All right. And uh, <laughs> okay. that's all the time that we have for today. Apologies to anybody who's sending questions that we didn't get around to. We will, of course, take questions again tomorrow. So make sure to be ready to fire in questions tomorrow to all of our YouTube channel members. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campus Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this little show a part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members for being YouTube channel members and being supportive of our programming. We appreciate it all very much. Uh, don't forget, guys, that a little bit later today at 3.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we're going to be doing a live stream on our YouTube channel called Open Mic. So we hope you guys will come back and join us. So for everybody in the room, Ray, Yippee. Jonathan, <laughs> and of Chris, Cor of Chris, of course, Chris Carr. Amin was talking about Goodwill Hunting. Oh, I uh, totally forgot that line. It was, it's because it's buried in the stuff talking about his wife's farts. Uh, That's the part I always remember. My name's John right. Campia. Thanks so much for being here, guys. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>